Good evening, ladies. I kind of feel like, don't worry about that. I kind of feel like I don't need to preach <laughs> because I think there's enough going on in the service to draw your attention to Jesus. Just at, at the beginning of the preach, I'm mindful of the fact that if the Queen of England walked in through these doors, we would stand to our feet. That if the Queen of England walked through these doors, we would curtsy. The gentleman would bow. Because her presence in this room would be enough for us to know how to behave. And we have been blessed so greatly and richly tonight with his presence. That I believe, ladies, at the beginning of this message, we should stand to our feet in honour of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Because the cross rewrote our lives. The sacrifice he made rewrote our lives. Of what the enemy was going to do to us. The cross changed it all. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is evident with us today. And if we would bow to the Queen of England, then we should rise to our feet with a triumphant shout and a triumphant applause to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he is here in our midst. And if he is here, he says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And I don't know where life finds you today, but I know quite a lot of the women in this room and I know there's two or more gathered in his name and therefore he's there in the midst. I just want to pray, Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place today. We thank you for the stories of victory. We thank you that we are seen. It's been evident how you have brought women through. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. And we say, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way in this meeting, through this preach, whatever it is. Lord, that I would decrease and you would increase. That we would keep the King of Kings centre stage. And our hearts open to receive what you've got to say. And everybody said, amen. amen. And amen. Thanks, Josh. We did have a little panic then, because anyone who doesn't know, Josh is one of my children. And so I, I, I texted this afternoon, don't, don't, don't shoot off because you're embarrassed of your mum. You can put your guitar down though, you can put your guitar down. So I texted him before I was like, Josh, when I first get up, will you play for me? He was like, yeah. So I sat there at church and I'm like, where's Josh? I said to Bob, no, I was like, where's Josh? He's supposed to be playing for me. So we did it, we pulled it off. You managed to get up on the stage in 20 seconds and get plugged in. And the PA desk at the back managed to sort him out. But you know something, I, I, I want to encourage parents out there. No, no, you can stand with me for a minute. <laughs> it actually doesn't need to, but... but and, and I bought some extra high boots to wear because both him and his brother tower over the top of me now. But I, I want to encourage parents out there because parenting can be tough. I was a tough kid for my mum, but my mum never failed to drag me through the doors of church. She brought me up in the house of God, and I am so thankful. And I want to say that my 
don't know where she's gone, she'll be, she's at the back. But in the worship, I stood and I got my 19-year-old daughter stood next to me. And I got my 16-year-old sons worshipping up here. And I got my 11-year-old daughter sat behind me. And I, I, the baby of the family, Charlotte, has gone home crying because she wants to stay and she. And I'm like, you're going home with your dad, Charlotte. And she's gone home and I'm like, parents, I want to encourage you. Get your kids in the house of God. Get them enveloped in the family of God. There are all different kinds of people in the family of God. Sometimes it'll go wrong because church is made up of people. And for the record, none of us are perfect. Okay? None. Like, if you think you're perfect, shake my hand at the end because I've yet to meet a perfect person. But you know something? God will keep your kids. You do the right thing and he'll do the rest. Thanks, Josh. Ah, no problem. Okay. Don't move out your seats, ladies, because if you start sing- if you start talking, I'm going to stop. But just from behind you, in front of you, to the left, to the right, just say a quick hello to everybody. You've been sat down for a little while. I don't mind you standing up, but stay in your seat. I'm going to let you into a little secret. I was never a fan of women's events, <laughs> right, never. So growing up and in my early 20s and that, if there was a women's event at church, I would be here because it was the right thing to do to support church things. But outside of that, like growing up, mum, has anyone ever heard of something called Women's Aglow? Right, mum would take me in to Women's Aglow and my friend from church, she would go to Women's Aglow with her mum and Auntie Stella would be there. And I'm not going to lie, me and Kathy went for the buffet. <laughs> there was always a buffet and I was like, okay, we can do Women's Aglow because there's a buffet. I think I was still going at 15 for the buffet. And I don't know whether we ever made it into the meeting because we were too busy eating the buffet. But, um, but that was the kind of thing that got me through the doors of women's ministry. And I, I, I've grown out the bu- have I grown out the buffet stage? No. If anybody knows me, I love a good buffet. <laughs> and I realised I've been calling it buffet. I actually call it buffy. I don't know why I just called it buffet. But, but I did. But it's buffet. No, I love a good buffet, right? It was like, it was like I, I like take this out of the recording in case the bride and groom ever listen to this story. I gate crashed a wedding once, right? I was, in my, I, was, I was in my wild years, all right? I gate crashed a wedding with some friends. We did not know the bride and groom. This is not in my notes and it is not in, in line with anything I'm going to preach. I'm going to tell you anyway. And, and we gate crashed this wedding, me and my friends, and we had a great time we loved the buffet. We went back for seconds. We spent the whole night. You would think we'd have like taken a bit of a social cue and left an hour before the end, but we stayed till the end. The lights went up and we suddenly realised the bride and groom were on the door shaking hands with everybody who'd been in the room. Midnight, in the middle of the night, not midnight, mid in the night, Someone came up with a video camera and was like, hi, we're doing video diaries for the bride and groom. <laughs> we're like, okay. Okay, so like, not how this is going to pan out, but congratulations, like this on the video camera. So anyway, the stood on the door, the lights have gone up, it's really bright, we can't sneak out. The stood on the door, there was enough gap between them, bear in mind, this was my wild years, I have settled down. And, and as we're going out and my friends begin to panic a little bit, they were like, what? are we going to do? I'm like, don't panic. 
First rule at a wedding, tell the bride she looks beautiful. <laughs> Second rule, thank the groom for inviting us because he won't have a clue who was on the guest list anyway. <laughs> and they were just stood further enough apart to not hear the conversation. So I'm like, follow me, come on. So I just said to Guru, thank you for inviting us. We've had a great night. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay, you're right, you're welcome. I just said to the bride, I was like, you look beautiful. <laughs> she was like, thank you. And we just ran out the door. <laughs> and to this day, this poor couple have got us on their wedding video, <laughs> congratulating them. And they're probably there going, who the heck are them girls? And it's us. And I often wonder one day, will they walk through the doors of the church and ta-da! Here I am. And I'll have to ask forgiveness, but it was a good buffet and we had seconds. Anyway, I got onto that about women's ministry because I used to go to women's ministry for food. And the reason why I didn't like going to women's ministry is because they all just used to tell us we were princesses. They were like, oh, and you're princesses. And it's lovely because you're princesses. And you just stay at home and be a princess. And if anybody knows me, I'm like... I'm not the most daintiest <laughs> person in the world. I, and I, I mean, I love being a lady, and I can be ladylike, but I'm like, I'm not just a princess. I've got something else a bit more about me, so I was like, I'm not going just to be told I'm a princess. Now, if you want to tell me I'm a warrior princess, then come on, we might have a deal. And I might just listen, but you try and smack a flipping tiara on my head and tell me I'm a woman and I'm going out unless you've got good food. So this is why I didn't like ladies' ministries. I married a scouser. <laughs> and when I began to frequent Liverpool, I realised I was a queen. <laughs> because I'd go into the shops and I'd never been to Liverpool, ever. This preach might take longer because none of this is on my notes. I've I, I never been to Liverpool, right? If you, I'd just like to say, if you're from Liverpool, Nate, I adore the place now. But I had never been to Liverpool until I started going out with Barry. And we got in the car and he went. I was like, where are we going? It was like a town. I was like, all right. And he put me up from my house in Warrington. And then he got on the motorway. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, we're going to town. I'm like, that's, that's Liverpool. You, you, get, you get robbed in Liverpool. <laughs> I never knew one person went to Liverpool and the car was broken into and the Bible was pinched. I'm like, who pinches a Bible? So I'm like, oh my... So I get out of the car, no word of a lie, and I've got my handbag and I tuck it under my arm and I'm walking along the street. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing, Vicky? I'm like... Anyway, I adore the place, but I fast realised that when I'm in Liverpool, I'm a queen. Because in the shops, they would just go to me, you're ice queen. Queen, do you want a bit of help with that bag? I'm like, this is great. I'm a queen. I didn't want to be a princess, but I'm quite liking the idea of being a queen. So I started to go to Liverpool much more. Sent my kids to school in Liverpool because I always called at home bargains. Round the corner from the school and the woman always called me a queen. I'm like, but, but we have a rule. I'm like, Barry, don't you ever call me your queen in that Scouse accent, ever. But I want to share a word tonight that isn't going to just make you feel fluffy and nice. I want to share a word that is going to change your life. Not because I can change your life. I can't change your life. I can come and eat your food. I can gate crash your wedding. Uh, you know, I can do things like that, but I can't change your life. But the word of God I'm going to speak can change your life. The word of God is powerful. It's active. 
It's sharper than a two-edged sword. The word of God will cut through your situation and will transform your life like that. Sometimes it doesn't transform your life like that. Sometimes it's a process. But in the process, every step of the way, he is changing you. I want my message tonight to be like sandpaper. Okay? If you're coming for candy floss and feathers and tiaras, that's not going to happen. Because I want my message to be like sandpaper to you. Because I want it to be gritty. I want my message to rub some stuff off you. I want my message to rub the old paint that's still stuck on you, like on furniture. To restore you. To make you everything that God intended you to be. At ladies' events, because they're very different to when they were, because, well, they don't do buffets, we do canapes. (laughs) Oh, posh. Um, But you can get a very highly charged atmosphere. I'm going to be dead honest tonight with you ladies. And the highly charged atmosphere is great. And I've whooped down there and I've cheered down there and I have cried down there when I heard the stories and today I decided to have false eyelashes done and I've, I've knocked one of them when I've cried so instead of being like that, it's like that and it's blocking my vision. <laughs> if it keeps going, I'll be pulling it off mid-preach. But... <laughs> I want us to leave different. And the reason why I want us to leave different is because I've got a story and I know what Jesus can do. And wherever life finds you today, he's your answer. And so I don't want to throw a feather boa at you. I want to chuck a bit of sandpaper your way and go, okay, let's rub some stuff off. Some stuff that we're carrying around that we don't need to carry around anymore. Let's not just get caught up in the highly charged, wonderful hooping and hollering atmosphere and go home no different. I could preach a word to you where you're all going to high-five each other and it's all going to be great and we're all going to meet in the cafe. And and I I would love that. But if that's not going to change anything, then I don't want to do it. Because all I'm doing is I could be Michael McIntyre and I could just be a comedian, stood up here, having a laugh. But the words of God will change you. So I was given the subject, the topic, the theme, whatever you want to call it, unveiled. I have pondered on this theme. There are so many different angles you could come at it from. In my mind, I have been the north, the east, the south, the west of the topic unveiled. I am like, what am I meant to talk about? God, tell me what do these ladies need to hear tonight? I have gone to sleep with unveiled on my mind. I have woken up with unveiled on my mind. I have eaten with unveiled on my mind. I have showered Charlotte with unveiled on my mind. This topic has never left me. But as my mind has been everywhere trying to work out, what is it I'm meant to speak? Because you see, I don't just want to speak to you. I want to speak to you what God wants to speak to you. And then there came the God drop. And throughout this message, you might go, Vicky, what's a God drop? It's when suddenly something just goes boom. And you know, you know God's spoken. And I I encourage you tonight to take notes. We don't say it on, on the news just for the sake of it. 
I encourage you to take notes. And if you want to take notes and you've not brought anything, you can put your hand up. We've got, Tracy's got some notebook things that she'll give out because in the, the, the remainder of my message, and I've used far too much time with all the hilarity, but something's going to happen and you'll get a God drop and you'll suddenly go, that was why I was here tonight. So in me praying and saying, God, what does this mean? Can I just say... The nursery girls are in. Ah! I just looked over there and I was like, is that the lovely Shirley? Indeed it is. <laughs> this was where the God drop came in. Unveiled what lies beneath. What lies beneath. If your life was to be unveiled tonight, what would come forth? If my life was to be unveiled tonight, what would lie beneath? If I was up here and suddenly you could all click your fingers and and you would be able to see everything there was about me, what would lie beneath? Because sometimes when we stand up on a platform, people can think we have it all together. Actually, if you clicked your fingers and could see What lay beneath me today, you might be quite surprised. Because, oh, I forgot my prop. Sorry. Love made by the lovely Heather. Oh, is that box? Because, you see, what what we see with each other is something packaged really well. (laughs) Couldn't make that up, could you? You've got to have a laugh at a lady's thing, haven't you? <laughs> what you get is something that looked really good. <laughs> no, it's something, we present ourselves well to each other, don't we? Yeah. And we don't display our brokenness. And we don't display our challenges. But if we actually unveiled... I wonder what would be within. You see, because if I allowed things to take hold of me, and I've learned over many years to know how to handle that with God's help, within me you could find rejection. Within me you could find hurt. Within me you could find a loss of confidence. I would say, if you were truly honest tonight with yourself, what lies beneath? Could there be abuse? A loss of hope. There's a verse in the Bible that says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You're waiting and you're waiting for a breakthrough, you're waiting for something to change. And all hope is gone. Rejection. Brokenness. Hurt. Sickness. Debt. Loneliness. 
shame. They're just a few. I don't know what lies beneath you. I do know what lies beneath me. And I do know the effects of carrying those things and what they can do. And this challenged me about my life. That if my life was unveiled tonight, what truly lies beneath? As women, we're great at multitasking and neglecting ourselves, but I believe that tonight, this is a God moment. You're not here by accident. It's not a coincidence. You could be somewhere else tonight, but you're here. Because I believe that God has set apart this night for your life and for my life to have those God drop moments. I believe that this is your day, this is your evening, this is your time in 2020 right at the beginning for something to shift and something to change. But ladies, we've got to be honest before God. We've got to be honest and be able to say, God, this is where I'm at. I carried something for many years that ended up leading, and people who were in our home, my, my church, will, will know what that is. And I, I carried something for many years, and it resulted in the fact that I would end up with anxiety and panic attacks. I couldn't face things. And then there came a day where I had my God moment. And you see, this thing that I was carrying that was causing other symptoms in my body... I prayed about them. I prayed and said, God, I don't like feeling like this. God, will you please help me? And it's never seemed to change. But then I had my day where I talked to him and I was like, I'm a mess. You see, God already knew I was a mess. But something happens when you open a conversation. I can know what my Sophie wants. But I wait for her to talk to me and come and say to me, Mom. And I had my moment with God where I just said, God, I'm a mess. I can't carry this burden any longer. I can't carry the, the feeling that I'm being crushed. I can't take it any longer, God. And instead of praying about it and keeping hold of it, to try and manage myself, I literally, if God had been there in person, I literally threw it at him and went, you have got to take it, God, because I can't cope with this any longer. And that day changed my life. I ask you again, if your life was to be unveiled tonight, what lies beneath? What lies beneath? I'm not on about you telling your person next year. I'm on about between you and God. It's okay to say to God, God, I'm in a mess. God, I'm so lonely. God, I'm so worried about that kid of mine who's gone off the rails. God, I'm so weary with the sickness. God, I'm in so much debt. I'm frightened of the bailiffs knocking on my door. See, all of these things, there is a shame attached to it. But I would ask you tonight, 
What is it that's hurting you? And I don't just say these words for the sake of saying them. Untold hours, and that's not saying, oh, aren't I good? Untold hours of prayer have gone into this and typing and typing stuff that I know that I'm not typing this myself from my own mind, that these are words that God is asking me to ask tonight. What is it that is hurting you? What is it that you're hoping for or that you don't hope for any longer? Where has the shame come from? Why are you hiding behind shame? It was never your fault. It's a lie to feel that you will never be free. I believed I would never be free from what it was I was going through. I, I, I couldn't see any way out. And I believed it. Now I realise it was a lie. <laughs> it was a lie. Because there's freedom to be found in the name of Jesus. There's freedom to be found because of the cross. The thing that was holding me back was the lie that I would never be free. And for some people, you are believing that you're never going to be free. You're never going to be free from the shame. You're never going to be free from the debt. You're never going to be free from the fear. And that is the thing that's holding you back tonight, not the actual thing. It's the belief that it can't change. Your wounds and your scars are not your prison. They are your story. These ladies sat up here, all different stories. But all of those carried scars that were their story. They are your future. You see, your scars tell a story. And for some of them, you've got fresh wounds. And for some of them, you've got wounds that have scabbed over. And some of you, you've got wounds now that are healed, but there's a scar there. I have a scar down the middle of my forehead from about the age of being three. And it's still there. And every time I look in the mirror, I don't even notice it anymore. But if I ever do, I remember where that came from. And it's something that I carry. But I want you to know that your scars tell a story. They are not your prisoner. When Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples. And then there was one disciple that wasn't there, and his name is Doubting Thomas. And when the disciples said to him, Jesus is alive! He's, he's been here! Thomas was like, uh-uh. Unless I see those scars for myself, I'll never believe. So Jesus being Jesus, he just appeared in front of Thomas and said, see that? Why don't you put your hand in my side where the scar is from when the spear went? You see, Jesus carried scars and he carried wounds and they were not a symbol of failure, death or shame on the contrary they were a symbol of victory and life and some of you are trapped in the shame of carrying wounds and God wants to tell you today no those wounds are a life of victory because those whatever it was that caused those wounds 
did not kill you. It did not take you out. You are still in the game. And tonight is about rising up and taking your place and not living in that place anymore where you are living beneath the veil, having to hide because of shame and fear. Those scars of Jesus told a story of triumph. They told a story of overcoming. They told a story of victory. They told a story of survival because everything that could possibly take Jesus out tried. But it couldn't hold him. Those things couldn't hold him. Three days later, he rose from the dead, triumphant, and he carried the scars and he carried the wounds. But they were to tell a story of victory. These ladies with their scars tonight were to tell a story of victory. I believe tonight you need to know that it's time to believe again. It's time to dream again. If you could believe like Jesus about your life, you'd never doubt it. If we began to believe like Jesus believes, imagine what would happen. Imagine how high our faith would be. The cross of Jesus rewrote your story. And what the devil meant to harm you, because every story has a goodie and has a baddie. And there's an enemy And what he's tried to use to take you out. I want you to know Jesus rewrote your story at the cross. And the devil has no power over you if you proclaim the name of Jesus over your life. So how does it look, this unveiling what lies beneath? I want to just look at a lady in the Bible. And for the purpose of tonight, I'm going to look at this lady Because she had to stop hiding. And she had to almost go face to face with God. And that's exactly what happened to me that night. If God had been here, stood in front of me in a physical person, I would have been face to face with God, going, I can't do this anymore. And that's what this lady did. And I love tonight's reading because it's Hannah's journey. And it's going to give insight into what to do when you feel like all hope is gone. When you feel like there's nowhere else to turn. When you feel like there's nothing left in you to go another round. Hannah's story is in the Bible. Every word of the Bible is true. And every word of the Bible is powerful. And so this story gives a great account of how she handled herself. So we're going to start, in, in fact, Tracy, I think I'm starting earlier than what I've sent you, so my apologies. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 20. This is a man named Elkanah, and he had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at the time were the two sons of Eli. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Peninnah 
and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. There was a belief at the time that if you didn't produce children, it was God's punishment on you for doing something wrong. So not only did Hannah have the heartache of not having a child, the stigma attached to her because she couldn't produce a son for a husband, which in that day and age and in that culture was crucial. There was then a stigma attached to her that she'd clearly done something wrong and it was God's punishment. This lady lived beneath a veil because there was such a stigma attached to her. So Peninnah, the other woman, would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. And then it goes on to say this, year after year, it was the same. And I want to stop there for a moment because I believe for some people in this place today, you're like, that's me. Year in, year out, nothing's changed. And it might not be about children. It might be about something else. On the 31st of December, every year, Vicky, at the stroke of midnight, I have done a whole year with nothing changing and I'm going into another year where nothing changes. Year after year after year, nothing <laughs> changes. God wants you to know today to let your hope live again. Let your hope live again because your moment is coming. It has not taken you out. It has not killed you off. And you have a victory story. Pen and I would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Her condition showed no signs of relief. But it didn't mean the story was over. Ladies, it does not mean your story is over. I don't know what happens when you go home at night and you get into bed and, and you are all alone or maybe you're laying next to your husband. I, I have no idea what is going on. I have no idea of the silent tears you cry. But I promise you this, God does. Because God has seen silent tears that I have cried that Barry hasn't seen, my mum hasn't seen, my children haven't seen. And I have sometimes, I have lay in bed with tears streaming down my face in the pitch black and nobody has known a thing. But I have seen how God has turned situations around and I have known, you saw those tears. You heard the cry in my heart, God. And when I lay in that bed and I thought things were over and I thought I couldn't face another day, you had it covered because you were my way maker yeah. and you were my miracle worker Amen. and you were my promise keeper and you were my light in the darkness because God, that's who you are. That's who you are. And for some of you in here, you need to take on board what that song has said and you need to sing it for yourself. You're my way maker. You're my miracle worker. You're my promise keeper. Just because a promise is delayed, it doesn't mean it's denied. Yeah. He's your light in the darkness. And so she wouldn't eat. She was reduced to tears. She was being taunted. 
People thought wrong things about her. And then her husband says this. I'm sorry to break from the seriousness of the story, but uh, this is just a typical man statement. Why are you... Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? <coughs> you have me. <laughs> really? Isn't that better than having ten sons? <laughs> Only a man. <sighs> I'm going to carry on. See, everything that we've talked about, this was Hannah. Not a fable. This was a lady. A real-life lady. This was her life. She was having to live this life in an environment where this life was so wrong because she needed to have a son. Never mind the longing in her to have a child. She needed to produce a son. She was having to live her life in such a critical environment, in such an environment that just poured shame upon her. I'm sure she just felt like hiding away. But then something happens in verse 9. Because it says, Once after a sacrifice, sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up. She began to fight. Hannah got up. This was her unveiling moment where she said, I'm taking this on. Face to face. Come on. Bring it on. This was her unveiling moment. And it said, and she went to pray. She got up. She was like, right, I've cried enough. I've stayed in the shame enough. I've sat listening to Peninnah going on and on and on at me and taunting at me. And with Elkanah who thinks he's God's gift to women and he's better than (laughs) 10 sons. And actually, none of them are benefiting me and none of them are helping me because I need my moment with God. And she got up and she went to pray. She left where she was at She carried that burden and she went direct to God. You see, she didn't go to God and go to the temple once it was all fixed. In her journey to talk to God, she carried that burden. She carried that brokenness. She carried that shame. She carried that thought of people think I've done something, I've done nothing wrong she had to carry that burden Eli the priest was sitting at the customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle Hannah was in deep anguish see when she got up she didn't just suddenly dry my tears, I'm alright come on, let's do it because she still carried the burden and the deep anguish. She was in such deep anguish and crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. You see, she addressed it. 
She went face to face with God. She didn't just pray about it. She addressed it. You can, you can hear when she said, she's saying like deep anguish and she's crying bitterly. She hasn't just uttered a prayer. Uttered, that's an old-fashioned word, isn't it? Where did that come from? She hasn't just mumbled a prayer. She hasn't just said a prayer. Oh, God, please help me. She's like, God, I can't take this any longer. I am broken. I am absolutely broken. I am shattered. I am tormented. I am ashamed. She cried bitterly. She prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. So she's unveiled the moment. She's addressed it by letting it all out to God, holding nothing back. And then she aligns herself with God. Because she says, and it says, and she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. This child was something that she so desperately wanted. But yet she's saying, but God, if you think it's right and you give me a son, I make you this promise. I'll sacrifice him all the days of his life to serve you because of your goodness. It wasn't a let's twist God's arm moment. This is a heartfelt moment because she wasn't just sacrificing Samuel, who was the son that was going to be born. Spoiler alert. But she wasn't just <laughs> sacrificing Samuel. She was sacrificing herself. She was surrendering herself. Lost my place. I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. She addressed it with God and then she aligned herself with God. And she was like, God, if it's your will, she didn't demand. She's not there saying, God, give me a son. I have done nothing wrong and everybody thinks this about me. She's like, God, if you look favorably upon me, and then God, because of your goodness, I'm going to give him back to you. Because I know with you he's going to be safe. As she was praying... To the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound. He thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Somebody else totally getting the wrong end of the stick about her. Now at this point, she could have just retreated and gone, okay. But she'd had her God moment and she wasn't going down again. She stood up. She said, oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli, the man of God, said to her, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you, grant the request you have asked of him. Now, 
I don't need to go into too much detail, but to say to have a baby, something needs to happen. <laughs> this did not take place in the temple. But verse 18 says, Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat. And she was no longer sad. Because not only did she unveil it, she, un she addressed it, she aligned it, and she believed it. She believed with all certainty that her God would do it and that it was all going to be okay. She had no assurance, but she just knew because she had that moment. When I had that moment with God, wasn't, nobody else was involved in the conversation. It was just me. I was in a church meeting and I ended up at the front like, I think I was just so desperate. I just walked to the front and I just came to God and I had my moment with God. Nobody else was involved. And I promised to serve him. I've forgotten this. All the days of my life, no matter what. And I went back to my seat and it was the beginning of a journey and it was the beginning of a journey of recovery. Like Hannah's was the beginning of a journey. But I knew everything was going to be okay. I didn't know how it was going to look. But I knew it was going to be okay. Because I knew that God had got me. And he was going to bring me through. She unveiled it. She came from beneath the shame. She pulled the veil back. And she said, God, this is where I'm at. She addressed it. She was completely honest. She aligned it with God. She didn't try and twist his arm. Instead, she came from a place of surrender and she believed it. This is your day. A day of freedom. But your day of freedom comes from an audience with one. Your God. Your Lord your saviour, as the worship team come back up, as we bring this to a close. I'd ask you again, if your life was unveiled tonight, what lies beneath? Whatever lies beneath, I want you to know, there is no shame attached to it. You may feel like you can't tell a soul, you don't need to. I never told anybody what I was going through. But I just had my audience with one. <laughs> and he was the only one that needed to know. And as I became stronger, and it took a good few years for me to be able to tell my story, but because of God's faithfulness, like the women up here have talked about, but because of God's faithfulness, he restored me. He restored me. And I was able to tell my story. And you have a story to tell. And your scars and your wounds are not your prison. For me, I thought they were my prison. I felt I was trapped. But I want you to know tonight, God wants you to know tonight, forget me. God wants you to know tonight that those wounds are not your prison. They are your story. And if you feel like you have a defect because you have a scar, 
Look to Jesus. He carried the scars. He carried the scars of victory. He carried the scars of forgiveness. He carried the scars of our future. He carried the scars. They were there for Thomas to put his hand in to make sure he could truly believe. You know what Jesus said to him? Oh, Thomas. Better you believe without seeing. Better you just had the faith to believe than me have to prove it to you. If my life could speak to you tonight, it would be this. Never give up. Never give up. Because if you will put your trust in God and you will believe in Jesus Christ for who he is, your saviour, he's your way maker. He's your miracle worker. It's not very cool to stand up in front of however many women and cry. But I don't mind. Because I have a story. And I know that God took me from there. And he's placed me here. All glory to God. Because he's your way maker. He's your miracle worker. He's your promise keeper. And he's your light in the darkness. And one day you will stand up and you will tell your story. One day you will sit in the canteen at work next to somebody and you will tell your story. And you'll carry the scars. But instead of seeing those scars as a prison, you will see those scars for truly what they are. A story of victory. A story of overcoming. A story of not being taken out of the game because God has been so very faithful. We're just going to sing a song and I'm going to wipe my nose. I'm going to dry my tears without poking another false eyelash off. But as we sing this song, I want you to be honest with yourself. What lies beneath because unless you are truly honest, you will have your day of freedom. I believe that the 31st of January 2020 will be a significant day for you. This, this blooming country thinks it's a significant day because of Brexit. Forget Brexit. What's happening here? What's happening here in-house? What's happening in your life? The world's going to keep spinning tomorrow, whether we're in, whether we're out. For the last what, how many years we've been shaking it all about. Nobody flipping knows whether we're in or whether we're out. But God is your firm foundation. He will never be shaken. Never be shaken, ladies. And as we sing this song, have the assurance like Claire said, He will love your whole heart through. No matter how broken you feel, no matter how weary you feel, no matter how misunderstood you feel, he will love your whole heart through. He will dry your tears. He will see your silences. He will be everything that you need. But as we stand now, don't even bother singing if you don't want to. Be honest. 
what lies beneath. Let's stand. If, I'm going to do something bold. Felt to do it all week, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in a minute. Maybe you're in this place today and you're like, 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 wow, like, this is faith on steroids. <laughs> like, these people are like, wow, they are way over there. Maybe you're not used to church. Maybe you've heard about God, but you're like, I thought it was all a big story. <laughs> but you've sat and listened to the stories and this room is littered with stories. And there's something in you and you're like, I want to connect with God like these women do because these women have got a purpose. These women have got a faith. These women have got a joy despite the hardship. These women have got a hope. It comes through knowing Jesus. And God loves us that much that he made it as simple as possible on our part. It was far from simple on his part. Because it required him giving up his only son, Jesus Christ, to come down on earth and to be a sacrifice, to pay a price. Because you see, if we've done things wrong and we go to court, there's a price to pay. The Bible says that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. When we mess up and we do things wrong, it's called sin. Sounds a scary word, but that's what it is. There's another verse that says the wages of sin is death. We're talking about spiritually dead. We're talking about when we leave this earth. If our spirit isn't alive in Jesus Christ, then it's over. We don't get to be with God at that point. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And we have a decision to make on this earth. And that's why Jesus went to the cross, so that none of us would be lost into an eternity in hell. But so that we would have a place. We would be alive in our spirit so that when this life is over, there is a certainty of where we'll spend eternity. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so why am I such a crazy woman about Jesus? Because I was once in darkness and my spirit was just dead. And then I heard about this man called Jesus and he died on the cross to pay a price for everything I'd done wrong. And it cost a lot. But yet God made it so easily accessible for me. And it was just a prayer away. And so ladies, if you're in here tonight and you're like, I haven't got what you have got, but I want to know God more. I want to give my life to God. Comes from believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and asking forgiveness for anything you've done wrong and living a new life in Him. That's a prayer away. I just want us to bow our heads before I do the, the next bold thing that I'm going to do I would ask ladies front to the back right to left can we bow our heads
Because for some of you, you're actually your life-changing moment is this. You've never made it right with God who created you. And if you want that connection with God, all you need to do, nobody's looking. I'm looking. I just want you not, I'm not going to embarrass you, just to lift your hand up. It's just an acknowledgement of I want God in my life. And if that's you, thank you, I see that hand. That's it, amen, amen. Do you know it says all of heaven rejoices over one person, over one person. So what we're going to do, we're going to collectively pray this prayer with that one person who's put their hand up. Say this after me, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge I need you. I acknowledge that you are my saviour. That you died on the cross for me. And that the wages of my sin would be death. But the gift of God and the gift of the cross is eternal life. And right now, God, I give you my life. From this moment on, I live with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight's going on, but I'm still going to be bold, okay? And this is what I'm going to say to you, okay? The worship team are just going to play. I'm not going to give you five minutes to respond. If you don't want to respond, that's fine. But, but for me, my, my moment came when I got out of my seat and I walked to the front. Not because there's anything magic happens down here, but it was symbolic. God, I am moving from where I am and I am walking to you just like Hannah did. I am walking to you and I'm going to have my face-to-face moment with you. And so I'm not going to prolong this because I didn't wait that day because I knew what I needed to do. So ladies, if your life was unveiled tonight, what lies beneath? And if you, like Hannah, want your moment with God, with that audience of one, just want you to come to the front. It takes guts. Well done. You will get your moment with God. Anybody else? Because I'm about to wrap this up. That's it, ladies. Oh, there you go. Here you come. Here you come. Here you come. Can we just sing? Once I was broken. Ladies, while we sing this, I want you to have your moment with God. Pour it out. Address it. Say to God, this is where I am. If you cry your eyes out, it's fine. I've just cried on the platform. It's cool. We're cool. Women cry. That's okay. So do men. Let's do it. Be determined to leave different than how you came in. We're going to sing this through twice and then we're going to pray.
Whenever I sing that song now, ladies, I can't help but smile. It says, once I was broken, once. And ladies, you that have responded, your song now is gonna be, once I was broken, but you love my whole heart through. You love my whole heart through. It says, healed and forgiven. And you know what I love about the next line? Because like, maybe I'm just a bit of a crazy person. When I'm sat there on the front row and we sing this, I'm like, look where my chains are now. They've gone, they've broken, they've smashed to smithereens because Jesus Christ is my Lord. And so what we're gonna do, ladies who are out, I'm just gonna pray one prayer, okay? Over you all. And then we're gonna sing one more time and this is going to be your anthem. Once I was broken. Once I was broken. Look where my chains are now. And then after we sing that, this, we're going to finish this service on a high. And we're going to praise him for who he is. Let's pray. Lord, you are so very faithful. Lord, that you would gather us together into one room tonight for these ladies. For these ladies to have their moment. For these ladies to be able to just come face to face in the realization of what lies beneath. God, you are so very faithful. And so I pray for these ladies now as their declaration now is moving from brokenness to once I was broken. And I pray as they leave this place, I pray for them for fresh vision and for dreams that they've never been able to dream because they've been broken and hopeless. God, that they would see you for who you are in their lives. That they would have a spring in their step that they have never had before. And they would enjoy serving you all the days of their life. And everybody said, Amen. New declaration, ladies. Once I was broken, let's sing it.
iPad is officially switched off, ladies. I'm not going to say anything else. What we're going to do now is we're going to finish. If you don't belong to a church, we meet here on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. We let the men in as well. Eh, I am going to say one more thing. Shout out to the gentlemen who have given their Friday nights to serve canapes. And if you're a mum in here, after the meeting, grab a quick drink, but then pick your loved ones up from next door, your little sweetheart children, because some men have given up their night so that you didn't have to find childcare. Make sure after the meeting, head down to the cafe. There's food. Try and beat me there. You know, I love a buffet. Um, but let's hang out together. But let's go out with this song. Don't go out the door without singing this song because I want to hear this room rowdy as we lift up the name of Jesus. The meeting is not over. Let's do the song and then Fat Mom will finish. <laughs>